Today on The Travel Guys. In the travel news, COVID shuts down the Rockettes on Broadway, and background talk continues to grow about a vaccine requirement to fly. We have updates next. In our Smarter Traveler segment at 320, we talk to those who are traveling this holiday season and give you some tips that might make your journey a little easier. What could possibly be a better Christmas story than a trip to Santa's Village? We'll have that for you at 335. Finally, at 350, Mark and I share some personal Christmas stories with you. Twas the Sunday before Christmas, and all through the house, the travel guys are on the radio. Thank you for joining us. Merry Christmas. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. program before Christmas is on the air. It is the Travel and Entertainment Guys. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano with you. Thanks for joining us today. By the way, uh, you can check us out, follow along, and uh, get links to our special guests and more at TravelGuysRadio.com. Mark, where do, we, where, where do we find you? I am in beautiful Palm Springs, and I say that because um, it gets a little warm here in the summertime, but in the off-season... Um, I don't know, it's 71 here yesterday, and uh, supposed to be around 70 today, and very light wind. So it's a beautiful day in uh, in Palm Springs and all of the surrounding communities. We are having a, a wonderful time, headed home on a flight this evening. And if you didn't know this, um, Southwest Airlines now has two nonstops a day. I think on Saturday there might only be one, uh, but between Palm Springs and Sacramento. So you can get to this part of the state now directly instead of having to go to Ontario and drive over for an hour, which Ontario has a beautiful, relatively new airport, but uh, if you were going to Palm Springs or any of the surrounding communities, you can now get here on a nonstop flight. That's excellent. Well, give us an update on uh, how things have been going there. What, uh, what, what are you running into in regards to COVID restrictions, uh, things in restaurants, etc.? I think the most important thing that we can share people, with people, Tom, and, and one thing that we've kind of emphasized from the beginning of this COVID thing is that if you're going to travel now, um, you're, it's not going to be perfect. So if you're one of those folks who just really things bug you when service is not good and stuff like that, it, when things are slow or you're sitting there for a long time and nobody's paying attention to you, and what happens is that restaurants, hotels, I mean, everybody is just shorthanded every place. And here's something else. This is probably going to last for a while because uh, unempl- the unemployment rate is fairly low. That means that a lot of these people who left these jobs are working somewhere else. So they've decided, for whatever reason, that hospitality and tourism industry jobs are not what they're, not where their future is. And uh, my my thought is, we, we paid pretty poorly to people on the bottom of that scale for uh, in the in the hospitality industry for a long time. And I think that finally caught up with us. A situation came up where people lost their jobs in some cases, and they said, you know, maybe I can do better. 
And, uh, you know, the other issue is we've cut back on immigration a lot in the last few years. And people who are new immigrants frequently take those jobs at the bottom of the scale. So I don't know that there's an immediate solution for this. But the really important thing is that if you're going to travel this holiday season, it's going to be busy. It's always busy during the holiday season. So just think about something. I, I, I saw a sign in a jack-in-the-box window recently that said, um, you know, we're shorthanded and we're doing the best we can. Um, please be kind to the people who showed up. And yeah. so I can't think of a better way really truly to emphasize right now is that the person that you go in and yell at because the service is slow or you didn't get waited on in the right period of time or things weren't perfect for you might be the only person left between you and not getting any service at all. So you might just want to think about that and just carry an extra Merry Christmas or two in your pocket. Um, I went and bought a bunch of $5 gift cards from Starbucks uh, a few months ago, and I'm going to do it again because I just gave the last one away. And when somebody does something a little bit nice uh, for me on the road uh, in the service area, I just slip them one of those. And even if it's somebody that you wouldn't normally tip cash, I just slip them one of those and say, hey, let me buy your next Frappuccino or cup of coffee. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I've never had anybody turn one down. So I'm, I'm just thinking that um, just it's Christmas. So keep that in mind. And uh, everybody on the planet is stressed out about this long, long, long COVID situation. Um, remember that those people that you're interacting with and who are trying to serve you probably are in the same situation. And uh, they're probably dealing with a lot of folks who are not all that happy sometimes. So uh, just cut them a little bit of a break. I'm sorry. I got a little carried away there. No, no. Valid point, Mark. Uh, thanks for pointing that out uh, and reminding us. I think everybody, you know, that goes anywhere these days, uh, particularly to uh, restaurants and when you travel are, are running into that. And and you're absolutely right. That's you just have to bring your patients with you. Uh, we talked about the the uh, the F word, be flexible. The F word. You, you got to be flexible. And if, if this doesn't work for you, then 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 just don't go. Well, thanks yeah. for thanks for the update. We'll talk more about that a little later on in the program. Uh, right now, though, let's uh, let's get things going at the top of every Travel Guys radio program or certainly somewhere close to it. We bring you up to date on the travel news. And with the latest, here's Mark. I don't know if we call ourselves the travel and entertainment guys, so allow me to lead with this story today. Um, Betty White is turning 100 on January the 17th, and she's creating a theatrical event, um, Betty White, 100 Years Young, a birthday celebration, and it's going to be seen in movie theaters nationwide um, with screenings at 1 and 7 o'clock. And so, by golly... Um, I'm going to look into trying to set up a special screening of that. But anyways, um, you can celebrate with Betty on her birthday on the 17th of January. She will be turning 100 years old. Congratulations to Betty White. Uh, bad news from New York and Broadway, uh, where the new COVID variant is traveling around New York City pretty, pretty quickly. It'll probably be in our backyard within a few days if it isn't already. Um, the Christmas Spectacular, starring the Radio City Rockettes, has announced that it will end its 2021 season early. Uh, a number of other Broadway performances have been canceled in weeks, recent weeks because of COVID cases. And audiences have been pretty understanding. But what you have to understand is that for people who have uh, really, 
you know, all the folks who work in theater have waited a long time to get back in business. So um, not all those people have a lot of money. And when you see the startups and, and them having some issues, what it is is COVID cases among the cast in many of those of these situations. So um, just be understanding. Um, if you're going to New York and you're, you're hoping to see some Broadway entertainment, it's off-season. There are plenty of seats. Um, so I know that folks who maybe were planning to see the Rockettes in the last two weeks of their performance are going to be a little bit disappointed. But uh, for now, that's the way the situation stands. Uh, the Rockettes are done in New York City. Um, for this season. Sandals Resorts uh, wants everybody to know that they are extending their industry-leading vacation assurance program. I'm not going to go into it in great detail, but bookings made through March the 31st um, of next year through travel through the end of next year will have this special vacation assurance program. So if you are a Sandals fan, uh, perhaps a little bit better assurance that if you book with them that you'll still be able to travel, get your money back, get rescheduled, um, whatever. So check into that if you're a, uh, a travel, a, a fan of Sandals All-Inclusive Vacations. Uh, business travel has not come back. It's still a fraction of what it was. And there is, I have to tell you, Tom, growing talk uh, among people in the airline industry who weren't in favor of this before, but seem to be coming around to the idea that if people, if, if we checked vaccinations and only put people on airplanes who were fully vaccinated, that that would, that would encourage a lot of people to travel now who are not traveling. And that would make a huge difference to the airlines and other related industries. I don't know that I necessarily have a position on this myself. It's kind of interesting. I'm sure there are extremely strong feelings on both sides, but just know that it's, it's happening, and uh, people are. If if people who were flying had to be uh, vac- vaccinated, it would change the game completely in the tourism industry because many of the people who travel travel by airplane. So um, it it especially to certain destinations, it's real hard to drive to Hawaii. So um, yeah. a vaccine mandate there would, uh, and the technology exists. Um, to do this. So the question is just whether it can be done. Like I said, I have no doubt there are extremely strong feelings on both sides of that very big issue, but it, 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 there's going to be more discussion, I'm certain of it, um, here in the coming weeks. AAA says 109 million Americans will travel during the winter holiday period. Um, that is more than last year, substantially more than last year, but considerably fewer than the number who hit the road pre COVID. So lots of people are going to be out there on the road. And again, um, with, with places already struggling to keep the doors open because it's hard to have enough help, the hotels, the restaurants, the attractions, as I was talking before, um, just remember that when you get out here is that a lot of good people are doing everything they can to make your, your experience positive. And if you approach yours with a little positivity towards them and appreciation for the fact that they're working their butts off, um, you probably will, you'll be a lot more likely to get that room with the view that you didn't have to pay for. Um, and so uh, popular holiday destinations this uh, summer, if you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, we have a list of all of the 10 most popular travel destinations um, this holiday season. So 
take a look there, travelguysradio.com. And that, sir, is an abbreviated portion of your travel news for today. All right, then. All right. We are the Travel Guys, and in our Smarter Traveler segment coming up next, if you're traveling this holiday season, we've got some great tips that might make your journey a little easier. Even if you aren't traveling uh, this holiday, these tips will come in handy at any time. That's next, here on the Travel Guys. It's Mark and Tom, the Travel and Entertainment Guys. Thanks for joining us. Our last program here before the magical Christmas Day arrives. So thanks for being with us. And as we mentioned, for those of you that are traveling during the holidays, we have ourselves a fabulous list of uh, of things to make it a joyous traveling experience. And Mark, uh, I see I, our friend Charlie, Leoka, uh, is, is responsible for... Uh, for this great list, uh, which, by the way, yeah. you can find at TravelGuysRadio.com. So let's get started. Yeah, Travelers United uh, offers this up, so take a look on our website if you wish. Um, we're going to run through these fairly quickly because there's 20 of them. Um, bring patience, number one. We've talked about this, and we've been talking about it today, so it's interesting that it's top of the, of the Travelers United list. Um, it's the most important attitude to pack. Really and truly, especially right now. Uh, next is fully charge. This is pretty good, Tom, I think. Fully charge all devices at home before leaving for the airport, and don't forget your chargers and adapters. I didn't think about the fact of, you know, just charge everything up. I also throw an extra one or two of those cells those that will charge your phone with, you know, if you don't have a power connection or something like that in my suitcase. Right, right. Well, quickly, uh, quickly, this will only take a second. Yep. And if you do forget one, instead of going out and buying one, ask the people at the front desk of the place you're staying. There's probably some there that were left behind by somebody else that you could take advantage of. Oh, great idea. Um, get to the airport early. We talk about this all the time on this program, so I won't go into great detail. But um, the person who cuts their airport time uh, down to the bare minimum will be the person most likely to have if you have issues, for them to be big issues. Um, here's one. To consider taking public transportation when possible or reserve parking ahead of time. Or here's a cool thing. Or have a gullible friend take you to the airport. It actually says that here on uh, the Travelers United list. No, shame um, on them. They're, 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 yeah, be, they're it, best it, friends. The description this here says, uh, of course, <laughs> a friend in L.A. says, friends don't ask friends to pick them up at LAX. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a point. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, Sacramento could be a little busy at time, but it's not too too big of a of a disaster. Um, pack gifts in separate luggage, and pack wrapping paper separately. Better yet, ship gifts ahead using UPS, FedEx, or the post office, so that you're not bothered by you know mm-hmm. lost luggage or anything. Bring a power strip, an extension cord, and travel with an extra battery for backup power. And Charlie says, I've never seen so many happy faces as when I show up with a power strip at a crowded airport when all the outlets are taken. Besides getting to charge my iPhone, I make four other passengers waiting for power very happy. Never thought of that. No. What a terrific idea. Pack a lunch and snacks. Um, As we've talked about, um, staffing and stuff at airports, they're hurting. Concessions, you may not find your favorite one open, or you may find a line, or you may have a connection and not have enough time to grab something. So take that extra protein bar or the thing that will help you get to to your destination. Here's one. Bring a collapsible or empty water bottle. Of course, this is a pretty common one. Fill it after going through security. I like this one, Tom. I like this one a lot. Ask which TSA security line at the airport is shortest and be patient. 
Um, a lot of times, people at the desks at major airports will know, for, even from day to day, they'll know. Uh, because they've gone to lunch or gone on a break or something like that, or they've heard it's filtered down the line that, hey, you know, the security line that's closest to this counter is a disaster. But if you walk three minutes down, you can save 20 minutes getting through the line. And if you're sh- short, uh, short on time, that can make a huge difference. So just a small tip there. Sometimes uh, TSA folks at the airline counter also sky caps are really good for asking about which line at the airport is normally the shortest, especially if you don't have pre-check or clear or something like that that will get you through. Mm-hmm. Packing a folded bag for gifts you receive and leftovers you want to take home. I've heard that one before. Uh, don't forget headphones. Noise-canceling ones are best, or bring earplugs. Um, I don't go on an airplane without earplugs these days. Um, carry your medicines and hand sanitizer. This should always be a basic rule. Your medicine should be in your carry-on luggage, if not on your person. And bring some extra hand sanitizer with you. Um, it's, we're back in this situation now. We've got a, a, a variant that may not be as deadly as the ones before, but still can be a huge nuisance and a big problem for some people who have compromises to their immune system and the like. So we need to go back. We need to get back into the habit of sanitizing our hands every time we get the chance. So if you're traveling, make sure you bring a way to do that with you. Um, remember that jams, jellies, and pies are considered liquids yeah. and subject to the three-ounce rule. That's <laughs> really, really, really important. I wouldn't have thought that a pie. I get it, though. Um, jam, jelly, you know, those things are kind of yeah, not solid, not liquid. Right, yeah. that they could be, you know, plastic explosives. I mean, that would be a really small pie, a three-ounce or under pie. <laughs> <laughs> It would be. Uh, This is one we've mentioned before on our program, travel early in the day. Um, Really, really a a good wisdom for the holiday period. Um, The earlier it's it's wintertime, the earlier in the day you make your connection. If you've gone a nonstop and the plane's sitting at the gate, when you get there in the morning, if the weather is good at your destination, your life gets a lot simpler. So try to travel early in the day if you possibly can. And I don't know if this is on the list here yet or not, but um, consider the fact that if you're Trying to get somewhere and fares are outrageous. If you fly on the holiday, sometimes you can find a, a, a reasonable fare still. Or even Christmas Eve might find you a fare that would be a little bit uh, a little bit better than a within seven day fare. I hate have it. I, I have to. I have to say this. I hate it that Southwest okay. always has one of the lowest fares. Will be the last flight of the day, which I never want to take. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. you know. Thanks for nothing. Yeah, well, that's yeah, exactly what they're kind of telling you there is, is exactly what we're telling you is that, well, you know, this flight might be a little bit more prone to issues, so we're going to charge a little bit less for this one. You got it. Um, so take paper copies of your travel uh, boarding passes, documents, flight confirmations, important phone numbers at your destination. Take paper copies. Yes, I said that. Take paper copies of those important documents. What if there's no power or your phone will pull it up? Or something like that, and you just have reach into your bag or your briefcase and pull out the paper copy. Ah, uh, yes. Bring an old-fashioned book to read. Um, bring along a pen and some paper as well. Um, make sure your baggage is identified with your name, home address, phone number, email address, and destination. Just take a little look at that baggage tag that's been on your bag forever. Maybe somebody spilled something on it along the way, and everything isn't as clear as it used to be, or you know, any number of things could have happened. So just make sure that your bag, and it doesn't hurt 
the old thing is stick a an ID for your bag inside your bag also, so that if the ID on the outside does come off, there's a way to get your stuff back to you. There's a whole warehouse somewhere in Alabama with bags that nobody ever claimed. Yep. Uh, bring a 10-foot long charging wire for your phone. Doesn't that sound like a good idea? It does. So often, so often. I got one of those little three-footers, and it's of like no mm-hmm. use because you're six feet from the plug. You're in the airport, so now you have to sit on the ground next to the outlet in order to be able to, um, right. to right. charge things. Okay, two more here quickly. Um, spread the holiday joy during the second pandemic holiday season. Help others with luggage, carry-ons, and kids. And when you can, with social distancing. Smile through your mask. Say thank you. Say Merry Christmas. Enjoy the magic of flying. That might be Charlie's best idea. And finally, um, uh, join us uh, or donate to help us keep help keeping you during your travels during uh, and providing cybersecurity. So it's just a little plug for Travelers United, uh, which is a nonprofit organization. You can be a member, and Charlie has all kinds of updates that he sends you. But anyway, there is a quick look at the list. You can find the entire list, which contains a lot of things that will be good even for non-holiday seasons, at TravelGuysRadio.com. Okay, Mark, what could possibly be a better Christmas story than a trip to Santa's village? It's coming up right after the news, right here on The Travel Guys. Hey there, my friends. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Mark and Tom with you, the travel and entertainment guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. By the way, our special guests that we have on the program, as well as Lots of other great information to make you a smarter traveler can be found always at TravelGuysRadio.com. Tom, our uh, special Christmas guest today is a lady who has a Christmas story to tell. Um, She says as a child she saw the ghost of Santa's village every time her parents drove home. It's set across Highway 17 across from her kindergarten. She'd look out from the playground and see the 20-foot-tall candy cane, the log cabin, welcome house, and the brightly colored concrete mushrooms that children used to play on. But the park was closed. But even though it was closed, she thought it was still magical. And now she has come full circle, back to Asana's village. This is Jennifer Jacobson. Jennifer, welcome to the Travel Guys. Thank you so much, Mark and Tom. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Hey, um, so tell us about your story of Santa's Village. Sure. Well, it's very much as you said. I grew up in a in a small town called Scotts Valley, which was right in between, uh, you know, the Bay Area. Um, if you're going to Santa Cruz, uh, and it was right in between Santa Cruz and San Jose. So if you were in the Bay Area, Scotts Valley wasn't always a destination, but they kind of made it one right around the 1950s, which was well before I was born. I wasn't born until the late 70s. But in the 1950s, this this developer uh, called Glenn Holland, uh, he was from Southern California, and he got it in his head to make a magical fantasy land for kids. So he decided to uh, go with a Santa theme, and he had read about an operation called the North Pole, which is on the East Coast. There's actually a couple places like that. It is a little bit debated which one he uh, got his inspiration from. But he set out to make Santa's Village, and the first one he made was in the San Bernardino Mountains. The second one he made was in Scotts Valley, where I grew up. And the third one he made, the last one, was in Dundee, Illinois. But Glenn Holland had this vision of putting Santa's villages across the entire country. He wanted one, I think, in pretty much every kid's backyard hometown, which would have been so special. Imagine if, you know, growing up you had 
Santa's house, not only his house, but his whole village growing up, you know, right down the street from you. Um, so it was just a really special time. Um, but by the time I came on the scene, as they say, um, I, I was too late. The park was closed forever. My park would never come back in Scotts Valley, and it was really sad. Um, but it was just super magical every time, you know, driving home seeing a 20-foot-tall candy cane across the highway, all the um, <clears throat> concrete mushrooms that were painted in bright colors, and a very large Swiss chalet-style cabin with fake snow year-round. So it could be 80 degrees, and you look over, and, and there's something warm and fuzzy about knowing there's still snow on Santa's rooftop. So it was really special. Um, you could still see part of the rides on the outside, some of the signage. Um, and then there was this dense thicket of, you know, uh, redwood trees and bay trees, and you couldn't see beyond that. So there was always this expectation of Ooh, what's beyond that and that really as a kid piqued my imagination and I begged my parents to go and they're like it's trespassing we can't do it so I never got to I never got to go see that old side of mine until I was 30 and the, it was long gone by then there had been a fire things have been torn down uh, developers were trying to make it into a you know housing development with housing development with which they have since done um, but when I was 30, I got to trespass uh, finally and see the old grounds. I have a little piece of paint from one of the concrete mushrooms that I saved and some random things because it was, you know, it was just sort of still magical being there. The trees are still beautiful and everything. So, so you saved a piece of paint. Now that's that's hardcore yeah. uh, a, a fan. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you, Jennifer. You mentioned that this was. I'm trying to put a a visual to what Santa's Village was like for people. You mentioned it as a as an amusement park. Did did it did they have rides? And if so, what kind? And what was there to do there? And then I want you to tell us where you are to tell the rest of the 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 story of Santa's Village and Jennifer. Sure. So there were plenty of rides at Santa's Village. Um, one was um, a very large Christmas tree, and um, it had these giant, uh, you know, um, ornaments that you could climb in a giant ornament, and this Christmas tree would spin around in a circle while you sat in the ornament. And I think it seated up to two people in, per ornament, so, you know, there's a limit. Wow. And uh, that would spin around in a circle, and the ornaments would go up and down. And it was it was quite a... It was quite a thrilling thing for little kids. Um, there, there were always animals roaming the park, and they were trained, tame, like live reindeer, um, you know, baby um, geese, things like that, that, that you could just walk up and pet, which you don't really have much of today. Now, you, you tried, Jennifer, to, when you were a kid, you did some things to try to get the park across from you reopened. You wrote the city and tried to... Tried to fight City Hall a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I think it was my first uh, step towards some type of advocacy. And I, I wrote a very, my friend and I, I gathered my friends together and we created a little campaign to try and reopen Santa's Village. And this was after the park had been closed for at least 14 years or so. And uh, I, I, I made a, a plea, you know, with, um, I think the letter might have actually been to the mayor. And I said, you know, please reopen it. The park would do so much good for the community and children and more people would stop at Scotts Valley, um, you know, and spend money here. I was trying to, you know, figure out how to rationalize what is City Hall thinking? And how can how can I, as you know, a young child, get them to do this? Um, and City Hall politely wrote back and said, "Oh, that, that's nice, honey, but no." <laughs> was basically their answer. Um, and after that, I really wanted to um, save the, the old polo barn that was on the grounds. And a lot of people don't know this about the site, but um, 
I think it was built in the 1800s, there's a very old polo barn, which was um, owned by a woman, which at the time was unheard of, that a woman owned her own place, had her own polo ponies. She did polo uh, professionally, and she she just had a whole operation going on the site long before Santa's Village. And that polo barn, once she died, um, that was all taken over, and it became the reindeer barn eventually, which wasn't exactly an attraction, but it was still part of you know the Santa's Village experience in, in a roundabout way. So um, when I went back to the park at the age of 30, I, I wrote to the city again, once again, and said, you know, hey, let's let's save the old polo barn because it's one of the few historic places in Scotts Valley, and uh, that also did not get saved. Um, it is now, sadly, a housing development. Jennifer Jacobson's our special guest here on The Travel Guys. A little Christmas cheer. We're bringing to you the story of Santa's Village and Jennifer's relationship and so well let's go full circle jennifer you now are the public relations director in charge of santa's village is that correct well that's correct so um in in about 2014 i noticed a real estate listing for a santa's village park and being the person i am i read all about it immediately and found out that the first ever santa's village um, which you know was started by Glen Holland, which was in the San Bernardino Mountains in Southern California. I found out that park was being sold, and so I kept an eye on it. I wanted to see who bought that park, what they did with it, you know, hoping beyond hope that that park would again be a Santa's Village. That would be so exciting. And so um, it turns out a couple uh, named Bill and Michelle Johnson bought the park, and they spent two years renovating that Santa's Village, which had sat abandoned for decades. Um, it had faced fire and snow and squatters, and by all rights, the park, you know, maybe shouldn't have existed anymore before they found it and restored it because there was just, it was against all odds that any of it survived. But they spent two years restoring it, and um, by this time, I was doing public relations for startups and nonprofits and entertainment brands, and I thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool to do public relations for, you know, this, this theme park for Santa's Village that, that I know and love. So I watched and waited um, until the park was up and running and had been going for a little while. And then I, I reached out last year, right around this time, uh, I reached out last year to Bill and Michelle Johnson um, privately. And I, I basically, I said something like, you know, I was born to do PR for Santa's Village. This is like my calling. You know, I was born under the sign of the candy cane. Please let me do your PR. I know all about your history. I want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they 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 did. <laughs> they said, "Yeah, you know, come on over and check out the park." And you know, why, why don't you work for us? And so I I I do. I, I do their public relations now, and I'm happy to report that I have seen with my own eyes this Santa's Village that they restored, and oh, it's incredible. Born so under the just, sign. Born under the sign of the candy cane, Mark. J- Jennifer, there is just the one Santa's Village now, still still operating. So I'm happy to report there's actually two. The San Bernardino Park is operating, and then the Dundee, Illinois Park is also in operation now. So if you're ever in Illinois, go check them out. Now, the Santa's Villages are not related anymore. It used to be one big franchise owned by Glen Holland, but in the late 70s, the parks all closed, all three parks, and the corporation dissolved. So whoever rebought the properties you know, open them independently after that. But unfortunately, my park in Scotts Valley never reopened, but it is the only park that didn't. The other two are open, they're alive and well, and they have very cool stuff to do, and I, I recommend checking them out. Santa's Village. And you said in the mountains of San Bernardino. Can you give us a little better geographic idea? What town is it closest to? Yeah. 
Sure, it's right next to Lake Arrowhead. So if you've ever been to Lake Arrowhead, um, it's a beautiful area to be. Um, when you drive up on the rim of the World Highway, you're right up there in the clouds, quite literally. You can look down and see the San Bernardino Valley. Um, this time of year, you can, um, you know, I mean, check the weather before you go up. Make sure you have chains. But this time of year, there's all kinds of fun things to do. If you're into skiing, you can ski at Big Bear. And then, you know, about an hour away is Santa's Village, Lake Arrowhead. Mm-hmm. There's the Lake Arrowhead Resort and Spa and a whole bunch of cool things to do up there. Well, Jennifer, um, congratulations. It took a while, but uh, your dream eventually came true. Good luck to Santa's Village in California and in Illinois. And, and thanks for Thanks for sharing the story of Santa's Village with us. If I get, when next time I get to San Bernardino and I'm on a scouting trip, I'm going to look Santa's Village up. Thanks, Jennifer. Merry Christmas to you and all the folks at Santa's Village. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas to you guys. The last Travel Guys before Christmas Sunday, Christmas edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys. <laughs> Welcome to the program. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, your hosts. Thanks for joining us again. Our website, TravelGuysRadio.com. Hey, you were telling me yeah. uh, before the show started today about playing Santa Claus for your kids. I'm sure lots and lots of people have done this for their children over the years. How, how did how did playing Mr. Claus, did the kids figure it out, or did were you able to pull it off? Well, you know, I I was at the time I was working for uh, the, the Kelly brothers, the fine folks that own KCRA uh, radio and TV for years uh, uh-huh. here in the Sacramento area. And uh, anyway, I was invited to be Santa on set for for a little Christmas party that they had. And they, they had this most amazing Santa outfit. Of course, everybody knows that that I am not Santa, but I, I can ho 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 uh, pretend to be him once in a while. Ooh, so that's not that's pretty good. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I they had this really great suit, and uh, uh, the at the same time, my uh, my my youngest daughter was at a daycare, and they were looking for somebody to come in and hand out some gifts at uh, uh, at the daycare. So I took advantage of having this just an amazing Santa suit because a lot of times that's that's the difference right there. You get the worn out raggedy looking thing from the Salvation Army or the professional grade. So anyway, I had the professional grade. And uh, so the kids, uh, you know, they would uh, they would come and crawl up on my lap and uh, and I would hand them a gift and ask them if they've been good boys or little uh, bad boys or whatever. And uh, of course, Amanda, she was uh, in the class and uh, she got up on my knee and, uh, you know, we chatted and all of that. And and I was amazed at the fact that the whole time she never tried to pull my beard down and expose me. Wow. And so I, to this day, you know, I mean, later on in life, we had discussions. And, and I don't even think to this day that she actually knew that the, the Santa that showed up in her, you know, daycare <laughs> class when she was uh, four years old was, wow. was old dad. That's a, that, so. that is a great Santa story. I have a sports leisure Santa story. Uh, many years ago, uh, we decided that one of the things that we would do is spread the, you know, Santa comes with a special feeling. You know, Santa really is Christmas. When you, if, if you're walking down the street and you see one of the folks who play Santa Claus dressed up in a Santa Claus outfit, it makes you smile. It does. So it does. It does. And, and so we thought we could get 
one of Santa's helpers and send him around all over Sacramento to any kind of a group that needed a Santa Claus, mm-hmm. a nonprofit group, uh, you know, somebody that was, you know, that had a, a clear need for Santa. And uh, Phil was, he looked like Santa. I mean, he was built like Santa. He talked like Santa. Um, I, I, I don't know. I never asked him, but maybe he, maybe he actually worked with Santa Claus at the North Pole at some point. Because <laughs> I'm not sure you could be that much like Santa. And this, this Phil was someone that uh, that you worked with was worked for um, you. He was someone that we just we we got to know. Okay. Um, with Sports Leisure Vacations, he wasn't a traveler. I can't even remember how we how we got to know Phil. But anyway, for a number of years, four or five years, Phil did um, Christmas appearances, Santa Claus appearances, and we would drive Phil around and, you know, take turns driving him around to the different places, and it was always a hoot. The best part of taking Phil uh, to, to play Santa wasn't when he got to the place and was Santa. It was on the way in the car. <laughs> because you're, I mean, just imagine you're driving down the street and you've got Santa Claus in your car, and this is somebody who loves being Santa. So he'll roll down the window. He handed candy out from past candy at stoplights. Um, talked to little kids sometimes when we had the windows down and stuff like that. And one, I remember one little kid saying, "Santa." You don't have your sleigh, and where are the reindeer? You're not really Santa. And and Phil said, no, I'm, I'm not really Santa. But he says, I work with Santa very close. Santa and I talk all the time. So Santa has lots of helpers all over the planet who help him because there are so many bo- little boys and girls. And by the time in the 45 seconds or so that he that the light was there, I watched this kid's eyes just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I have no doubt by the time... Um, the whole thing was over. He probably still believes in Santa Claus to this day because the guy at the stoplight, I think, convinced him that whatever he had been told, this was a seven, eight, nine-year-old kid, whatever he had been told about Santa Claus, he thought he knew everything. But by the time the light changed green, I don't think he knew everything quite anymore. <laughs> now, I feel that I have seen photos either in sports leisure catalogs or wherever of uh, possibly you dressed as Santa. Did you make a Santa appearance for the... Oh, I've done, you know, I, I, I used to, in my early years, I used to do a lot of characters. So, yes, um, once in a while. I remember one time um, our Santa got, helper got, he was ill and he couldn't do it. So I dressed up as an elf mm-hmm. and went and explained that, you know, Santa just, couldn't make it today, and I don't know how. I don't even remember how they came out. Um, Santa's Santa's elf. You know, um, you talk about family traditions and Christmas traditions and stuff like that. Did you ever? Did you have any Christmas traditions on Christmas morning? Like we always went down and picked out. Everybody would oh, before chaos reigned. You know, you would pick out one gift, and we would go. You know, each member of the family would pick out right. one thing that they <laughs> had kind of had their eye on the whole time. You know, that had been under the tree that they'd shaken lots of times and they tried to figure out what it was. Did you guys have any kind of a tradition like that? Well, yes, we did. You know, and I think that a lot of families probably had one that was very similar. You have you have Christmas Eve and you've got Christmas Day and, you, and you know, and you got presents from 
family members and from your your immediate family and it's always you trying to figure out how you want to deal with this you know our our uh, solution and it has been for many many years going back to before i was married uh and that would be to have family gatherings with the aunts and the uncles and the grandmas and the grandpas uh for christmas eve and uh you know, at that particular point in time, Santa hadn't arrived yet, but but gifts from other family members back and forth certainly had. So we spend Christmas Eve uh, exchanging gifts with uh, the uh, the immediate uh, family or the extended family, and then uh, Christmas morning was was dedicated to the immediate family and the kids and. Uh, you know, nothing real fancy, but but it but a, a formula that worked pretty well. The only problem was we have a large family, and if you don't start early enough, I mean, you're talking about unwrapping gifts, right, for maybe 20 mm-hmm. people. You could be there till midnight. Holy cow. So we we got to make sure to start at like 5 in the afternoon, 4 in the afternoon. <laughs> that way we can actually send people home to to go to bed and and be ready for Santa for the for the next day. And then the other issue was is that you know, then there's the food and then there's the hot toddies that go with it. And of yeah. course, every family has a certain number of people that just, you know, struggle with a number of hot toddies that they should mm-hmm. comfortably consume. So it wasn't uncommon for at the end of the evening on, on Christmas Eve that a few people needed special rides home. Uh, uh-huh. but, but anyway, uh, well, there, were, there were a couple of Christmases afterwards where we would afterwards, would you go, you know what, we're swearing off. There will be no alcohol at Christmas Eve. In okay? our home. And, yeah. the re- and the reason you would know that is because there would be several presents left behind. And, and later on, you'd ask people about They had no idea. Yeah, I think I got a present last night, but I'm not sure. Would you check under the couch? Chris, Christmas Eve and, in, and Christmas Day in our family was always, uh, you know, mom and the kids. And it was kind of, I think Christmas was a, Christmas was a sign we'd made it another year. I, 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 I don't know why that is kind of feeling just kind of came over me here while we're while we're talking about this was that it was kind of the sign that we had made it we never had a lot of extra so when mom cobbled together christmas and it was always a nice christmas um it was always a sign that we had that somehow we had we had scraped through another year well anyway thanks tom for for sharing some of your of your your christmas traditions and and uh thanks to our listeners for being along with us for another year um the travel guys are are into their second decade now it's hard to believe it is it really is well okay mark thank you so much for sharing yours uh i i can just tell by the way uh you sound and what you have to say about uh about your mom and your your family and some of that same kind of christmas feeling and and love that uh, that you got from the family uh, you extend on a regular basis to the Sports Leisure Vacation family, which has grown by a large amount over the last 40-plus years. So, any rate, I, I guess that's about it for uh, for us today. Merry Christmas to everybody, and dance like nobody's watching. Stay well, my friends. Have a wonderful Christmas.